Welcome to Lineage. I'm your host, Shani Jamila. On this show, I'm talking across generations with some of our most imaginative thinkers about how New York City impacts their work and how their work impacts the world. I invite my neighbors and fellow artists to come over to my home, sip some tea, and chat. Today, I'm joined by Okwi Opakwasili, a Brooklyn-based writer, performer, and choreographer. She's been recognized as a MacArthur Genius Fellow, a Creative Capital grantee, and a Hodder Fellow at Princeton University. Her work fuses dance, theater, and sound. You may have seen her star in Bronx Gothic, Poor People's TV Room, Jay-Z's 444 video, or caught her incredible performance in the off-Broadway revival of one of my favorite productions, For Color Girls. We talk about how both of our practices are animated by this idea of wonder and what connects us. Our conversation began the moment she walked in my door. So let's begin by having you join us right where we were, in the thick of things. There was something, and I don't remember what the name of that law was, where a building that was rent stabilized, if a certain number of people moved out or if a certain percentage of the people in the building were not rent stabilized, they could raise all the apartments back up to market value, some crazy shit like that. And that was, uh, that was re, uh, that was rescinded in this last, in the major rent regulation laws that they just passed in this, the legislature this, this June, early June, late May. Anyway, but, so I feel like we're saved for a little while. Um, oh, yes, yeah, studio, babe. Okay, Miss Shawnee. <laughs> Talk to me. I don't know. You know, what I like about what just happened in a conversation is that this podcast is about how we as, as artists make home in this city. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of feels like the way when you start your performances, people are walking into the space and you're already on stage and the performance is already in progress. I feel like this conversation is a mirror of that, you know? Um, So why don't we just continue to start where exactly where we are? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me about um, that performative impulse. Why is it that you start the work before the audience is seated and before the curtain opens and then ta-da. Ha, right, exactly. <laughs> Why is it that we don't want a ta-da moment? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think it speaks to what you just said also about home, right? Um, I think there's um, sometimes a hope for intimacy in the pieces. Um, like you're coming into a conversation that may have already started um, and... Um, at some point you have to understand that, okay, I didn't hear the beginning, but I am in some way, you know, being invited into this. And so how do I enter from where I am right now? It suggests that I feel like we're all kind of meeting each other in the middle of the conversations. If we think of our lives as some kind of long conversation, some long thread, you know, we are interfacing with each other somewhere in the middle, you know, towards the end or, you know, who knows. And I kind of, I guess I'd, I like that our, or I hope that our pieces can 
mirror that too. And I also believe in a dynamic charge, um, but a kind of molecular and psychic charge. And I feel like, I, I do feel if we're working the space, if we're working the molecular, the molecules of the space, when the witnesser, the witnesses or the audience comes into that space, there it's it's um it's a kind of it's a it's an invisible uh, it's an invisible web. You know, they're coming into that they're coming into that web, um, and maybe uh, it starts to become visible that web at some point or not. But you know, people come in, they're bringing their days with them, they're bringing their the, the last thing they just did, the, the job that they just had, the, whatever stress that they're bringing into the street, they're bringing it into the theater. And I want to give them the time to let that go. Um, and, and I feel somehow when they walk into that web, they have their time to kind of, you know, be in, be in the outside and then, you know, start to encounter what they're seeing on the stage or in the performance space in their own time. And um, we also, obviously, that's, that space is a durational space. When we're doing the work of um, starting the show or the show has begun bef- as, as people, before people come in, the hope is that um, we have at least 15 or 20 minutes where the audience comes in and they have the space and time to to encounter, to, to, to encounter the work. Um, cause I think too, sometimes when we do these long openings or we begin the piece before anyone's come in, sometimes people, they're talking to their friends, they're dealing with their, what just happened to them on the street or at their job. And they're looking on the stage, they're looking at the performance space and they're like, Hmm. Okay. And then maybe they, turn back and look to their friends. Maybe they go to the bathroom and maybe they come back and sit and they're like, Hmm, okay. And then maybe they start to look and they're, maybe they're thinking, well, is this ever going to end? What is this? Is this, this, this not going to end? And I want, then I want them to think, okay, you know, have that space to wonder when will this end? And then eventually have space to be like, well, maybe it won't, but I'm here. And now, now what? And then they have the space to go into the now what and, you know, I don't know. And then just hopefully have something fall away, which is maybe the outside or all of those questions about what's happening and when is this going to end. And then, you know, after the now what, then they are just like, oh, I'm here. I'm just here, you know. Um, it's, it's basically making a space for them to become present in their own time with what's happening now in the performance space, too. So like a, a transportation away from whatever it is they were carrying in with them? Maybe. I mean, I guess that's right. So in some ways, maybe, maybe it's not a web. Maybe that's the wrong word, but maybe it's a road. Um, and yeah, I'm giving them time to start to shed pieces of what happened before. Um, and make the decision to come to us and, you know, to come to us where we are now. Um, and, and some people maybe don't ever come to that decision. I don't know. But 
It's, you know, you have a choice. I'm giving you space to make those choices along that road. I like this idea that you surfaced of life is one long conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, the nature of the conversation is changing, but we keep trying to communicate something to each other, to ourselves, right? Whether it's the narrative of who we are. My daughter revealed to me, apparently, that she, well, she revealed to me a couple of days ago. No, I'm sorry. She wrote a letter to Santa Claus that I found. It was something to the effect of, you know I'm a spy, because I've been a spy my whole life. And I feel like, I don't even know if she was asking for anything, but she was just revealing. It's just a declaration. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, when did, when? I mean, obviously this is, uh, you know, a combination of many things, the influences of too many stupid action movies and TV shows and comic books and, um, and maybe not stupid action movies, excuse me, whatever. Um, just, but, you know... At some point, we shape something about ourselves in our mind. We shape something about who we are, what our priorities are, and and how that shifts and changes with whoever else we encounter through books, through language, like through conversation, through images. I mean, I feel like that's an ongoing, you know, it's a part of that sense of having an, um, being aware of yourself, a kind of that sense of the ontological state, right? A kind of be the state of being an awareness of being that moment of like, Oh, I'm here. And so are you (laughs) right? Um, I mean, maybe there are some people that never think I'm here. And so are you, they always think I'm here and, and, and I'm here. And you know, there, I don't know, someone was talking to me about psychopath, um, um, psychopaths and sociopaths and the difference between someone who thinks, oh, I'm here, but I'm the only person here, right? People who can only, who, but I'm talking about people who are connected to others and feel a sense of, oh, I'm, I'm here in this body with these feelings and I'm next to this person that probably has feelings and about like, what, what do they feel like or what are they like, you know, those moments where, yeah, I guess I do see my daughter when she's like finding out, oh, you like that too? I like that too. And you see it in kids and with her best girlfriends, the ways in which they're constantly like building these threads towards each other, right? Finding these beautiful ways of connecting themselves and trying to get a sense of, is my inner life anything like their inner life? Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's also what performance for us is, right? It's like, how do you shape and share an inner life that somehow reflects some, some strange and maybe small, but perhaps profound, um, um, like that vibration, right? You know, like that shared vibration somehow, like, how do you... Mm. I'm making these gestures with my hands because I, because I, I, I feel like, I feel like sometimes the work that we do is so, so tiny, yeah. um, but it's like that little, how do we get inside? Like there's a little pinprick, and we go into that pinprick, and just um, charge the nerves, <laughs> you know. Um, 
so we're always looking. I feel like I'm looking, and so is my partner when we're working. We're always looking for it's just it's um I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That moment of like, do you touch that thing that sets off a mutual vibration? And I feel like I think children are always looking for that with each other. Like, oh, that wonder of like, wow, you think that? Or, um, you know, yeah, my daughter's really into Pegasus unicorns or something. Like to discover that somebody else is really into those Pegasus unicorns and then maybe we can fly one. Are they real? Do you really think they're real? Did you make a discovery? Or I just read this book and or I went online and I read something. I say it's not real, but then there's this other creature that kind of looks, you know what I mean? Like all of these ways in which you can, you just are trying to find a way to each other and to charge each other. It's a process of, of remembering and of constant discovery. But I think what children possess that we sometimes forget is is that wonder. Yeah, yeah. Because it's because there's a sense of things being new, and obviously we start to in our cynicism feel like it's all there's nothing new. It's all been done. Even though I feel like we are living in things that are new, but it's like technology. I feel like they're toys. Yeah. And. Um, but I want the, I want the newness. Yeah. That sense of when you meet something, someone and something just, um, buzzes, it tingles and yeah, those moments of falling in love with someone for the first time or remembering why you fell in love or something sparking. You're, you're right. It's like we as adults, sometimes we might lose that sense of wonder because we also, I don't know, maybe we lose a connection to memory you know, because I don't care about newness, but if somehow I can be connected to m- my memory or those the remembering um, a feeling that was new and keeping that, you know what I mean? I don't know, keeping that open. Well, also, I think as artists in this particular city, like in, as artists in New York, part of what our charge is is to help us collectively remember what what connects us, Mm. right? Because it's so easy to get into your bubble, to put on your headphones, to look down into your book, to walk through the crowd with some sort of vision towards some unseen thing that that doesn't include the people in your path unless you're knocking them over. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the ethos of this city is not necessarily one of connection unless and until you enter into these intentionally created spaces. That's true. I think that is true. And I, I think it's like sometimes it isn't. It's true. There are a lot of people who come to New York specifically for the purposes of reaching that thing, that destination, regard, and, and making sure that there's nothing in the way yeah. of getting there. Um, but... But it's, I do feel like most of the people I'm around, I do think that they are people who are making intentional spaces and have been where they can keep the love alive, keep the joy alive, keep the wonder alive. I mean, I feel like there are spaces and, and maybe or I'm, I might also be just like a very innocent, like maybe I have like a lot of innocence about me too in a way, but 
Like, you know, when you look, when I look at places like Movement Research, where people are just going and have been going there since, you know, the 70s or wherever, and um, have been going there to practice, to practice forms, to learn new forms, to, to wonder about what their bodies can do, might do, and also in relation to other bodies, right? Like, I feel like there's something, I feel like I am looking for spaces that aren't mercenary, um, and there are, and those spaces I think have been around for a while, but the stressors of the city can just be, um, just terrible. You know what I mean? So it's like, how do you fault somebody for maybe not knocking down people in their past, but for politely saying, excuse me, you know, <laughs> moving around them because, you know, at a place where, you know, the average one-bedroom apartment or studio apartments there, we're talking $2,000, $2,500 a month, right? So so you're at least dropping $24,000 a year, at least. That's on the low end, just to live, you know? And, I, you know, goodness, I was, you know, I feel like I still if not for certain awards, I'm still making that much money. I don't know. Do I even make, like, when it comes to money made from uh, work and um, and some commissions, am I always making more than 20000 a year? I don't know. Or sometimes I know I am not. So there is a particular condition of trying to survive in this city that I don't, you know, that... that that's no joke. Um, it's no joke. But yet it continues to draw people, artists, particular creatives, no matter the genre, across generations over and over and over again. There's this pull to the city. And for me, I know that I knew from uh, very, very young that one day I would live here because when I would come to visit, I just felt so alive. Hmm. I know. What is that aliveness? Like, do you, can you even write? Like, what do you, mm, what is that feeling like? Talk more about that feeling. A lot of my work really is about this idea of, of what connects us, you know, across generations or um, across uh, countries and ideas of whatever boundaries might look like citizenship or race or gender, like all of these things I'm thinking about, like what connects us. And um, in a physical sense, New York gives you that, too. I mean, I have a sense of wonder about bridges and tunnels. Like, we take these things for granted, mm-hmm. but they're literal miracles. Like, whose idea was that? And who was the first person to figure out how to do that? And you can't navigate the city, particularly in all the boroughs you've lived in, right? Like, without constantly going through bridges and, and tunnels and exploring this idea of what connects us and what draws us together. And so for that's one of the many reasons that the city speaks to me and brings me alive in a very particular kind of way. And I'm really enjoying having the opportunity to just sit and have a glass of tea and talk to y'all about what it is for you. That's so beautiful, you know what I mean? Because I think in some way New York City itself feels like a kind of tunnel or a bridge. Like the whole, you know what I mean? This whole city. I mean, just because people are coming in and out and you feel like almost every part of the world comes through here, 
But that's so beautiful, it's true. It's a particular kind of energy um, that I feel like you can tap into here. Um, I'm thinking about that, that phrase, you know, we contain multitudes. You have the people who are knocking you down, but you also have the people in the places that are lifting you up, right? Absolutely right, yes. Yes. It's a simultaneous... And those things exist simultaneously in like one wave. Yes. But that wave, depending on your constitution, will either be something you can jump on top of and ride or something that will knock you over and you'll falter. The city isn't for everybody, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, it's a particular type of constitution. And I guess that's not something I have the answer for. That's something that I want to explore, though, in the context of these conversations. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is that? Thing. thing yeah i mean i i don't know is it is it the bones you know what i mean is it like is it the you know the spirits of the people is it like you know when you're here during pride is it impo- you know is it impossible not to feel audrey lord is it like you know we're walking through or even if you don't know who was here right even from like you know what is it, Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass, right? Written somewhere in Williamsburg or somewhere, I don't know if it was published in Williamsburg, self-published in Williamsburg, but that kind of, that call out to those multitudes, like all of, you know what I mean? I feel like, there. what is it about the city that's always calling out to the multitudes somehow? It's like, come, right? There's some spirit that's saying, come. Um, and of course, course how do we separate that like there is the kind of mercenary uh you know kind of negative capital right where it's like are we is it who are the spirits calling for the bodies right are they the the kind of um you know the 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 wall street robber barons who are just like looking for more bodies to consume and then you know spit the ashes out um, after they've done with you or yes are they the folks are they the folks who are I don't know building bridges to each other building these spaces these intentional spaces of community and sharing and like um, are saying come and, and, and see what's missing and, and add it As we move into stories of Oakley's childhood in the Bronx and some notes on how she's developed her practice, I want to first take a moment to send a personal message to everyone who's listening to the show while under quarantine. There's no doubt that these are extreme times that we find ourselves in. But I've been reflecting, though, on what a gift it is to have the opportunity to still our routines and take the time to really be intentional in how we care for one another. I want to thank you for spending some of that time with us. Um, I hope that you'll find encouragement and inspiration and joy in the stories that we share here on Lineage. As we return to the show, Oakley opens up the next segment by sharing some of her favorite childhood memories. I have this memory of my mom sitting in the kitchen uh, legs apart, huge mortar and pestle between her legs, sitting on the floor and just grinding 
some spices that have come from Nigeria for like the very deep and rich and intricate um, soups, uh, Igbo soups that we would eat. Um, I remember, I remember that. Yeah, I remember some really, oh, the candy store getting allowance. Because when we were, like, my parents did this thing where they would give you, like, um, what would they do? It was like they would, it was in the tens or something, right? Ten cents for every year. So I was seven, getting <laughs> 70 cents a week, yo. Made it. Right? <laughs> Going right down and getting, like, some candy bars for 35 cents. <laughs> Penny, penny. I remember when candy bars were 35 cents. Wow. Right. And that seemed like a lot back then. Then you'd yeah. get like, yeah. So candy bars, 35 cents. Mm-hmm. I remember when subways were like, gosh, a dollar or less. No, but a dollar at least. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's like what I remember playing in the playgrounds. Double Dutch. Well, watching people play double dutch at first and being like, I'm, when am I going to learn how to do that and get in the game? And then getting in the game <laughs> and then getting my own rope and, and like controlling the game. But, you know, so, no, I have like some, yeah, I, I, yeah. And when did you first feel the call towards dance? Was there, is there a moment that can be identified yeah. or was it kind of always present? You know what? I feel like, you know, I have such a, um, I didn't ex- understand how expansive the space for dance was or how people had been really shifting the conversation around dance since the 60s and 70s, even with like Simone Forti and Yvonne Rayner and um, uh, just um, so New York kind of gave me that. Um, I had been doing theater and was into theater, but also into kind of more experimental stuff and um, things that um, were playing around with narrative structure, nonlinear things. And again, looking for maybe that sense of wonder going into a space mm-hmm. and asking about the what, not always knowing what, and, but, but, but being somehow alive to sensation. And, um, and I, I could feel that in language, like in the language of Susan Laurie Parks, um, you know, the language of Audrey and Kennedy. And, and then I started to think of, but then also the language of the body, when I would see people do things with their bodies that, um, like, if it, you know, somebody might be moving across the stage, but it would take like 30 minutes. And you would think, uh, maybe a lot of people are like, Mah. But me, I would be like, it would put me in a trance. You know, I would look at people moving in certain ways, particularly when I was looking at some folks working um, with the vocabulary, the ever-changing vocabulary of Bouteau and um, just feeling, um, looking even, just looking at some of the slow movement, movement that felt so mysterious but um, entrancing and um, feeling like my body was changing, looking at those bodies. Um, And so I started, and then when I started working with Ralph Lemon, and of course, you know, there were 
folks that I would see and be completely inspired by, but but also really thinking about, ooh, what if we weren't concerned with, um, and people have, like I said, been asking this question for longer than right I'd been alive. Um, what if we're not, we're not so concerned with what something looks like on the outside when we're moving, right? What if we're really concerned with sort of shaping an interior space? And what if we have the faith and belief that, that sh- the shaping of the interior space, the work to shape that interior space can resonate and project? Um, and, I, and so um, some of the things that I learned through doing some maybe buteau practice or body weather practice with uh, certain Japanese artists, just working with different images for different parts of the body, right? So not working with mirrors at all, but working with um, trying to deeply sense and be alive in images inside. Um, so even in the creation and rehearsal practice, it's a, it's a mirrorless yes. moment. Oh, that's yes. interesting. And even in my, I, I, when I go into rehearsals, I, I close all, I totally cover the mirrors because huh. I, I don't want to look at them and I don't want the people I'm working with to be looking at the mirrors. I'm like, how do we um, respond to internal prompts um, and those images inside? How do we get as inside as possible and not as a way of shutting out um, people outside, but as a way of kind of opening up right? Um, becoming more and more generous and also fearless. Um, um, you know, there were, I just, uh, and then working with Ralph and also finding, um, the first piece I worked on with Ralph, we were looking at the antebellum, we were looking at, um, the antebellum South, um, antebellum period. Um, and we were, literally getting things um we were literally thinking about making maps with our bodies i love that idea yeah and 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 you know maybe you would have like a table and a glass of milk and here are certain things but now make a map right find a way to make a map of what and to what of uh maybe antebellum to postbellum right of um, in you know during the so pre civil war to post civil war, um, so in a sense you could maybe say from slavery to freedom, <laughs> um, um, but how you how literal that is, or how personal it is, and um, whether you, and to not be necessarily concerned with showing me on the outside that. Okay, here is, you know, uh, uh, the moment before the first shot at Fort Sumter. You know what I mean? I'm not, and here is the Emancipation Proclamation, and here is Juneteenth. We're not, it's not that, I don't need to see that, but what is it to try to make those, to in your, to, 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 to figure, prefigure, configure um, a kind of journey, a road, um, and also, like, it's impossible. You can't do it to some degree, right? So then there's also, what is, what is, um, is there something compelling, too, about having a task that's just, that can never truly be completed or realized? But you absolutely try. You absolutely try. 
is interesting about that is when I first moved to the city eight years ago, that was the best piece of advice that I got. Um, I was told, don't try to do everything that the city holds because it's an impossible task to do. Um, and also there's this, you know, it also encourages this push to be present in the space where you are. That's right. That earlier conversation. That we That's, right. That's right. That's right. So in many ways, it's like what you're describing as your practice and, and your performance is also a metaphor for how to be. Right. How, how, to, to, be. how to absolutely be in the moment. That's mm -hmm. right. Um, and I feel like I think, yes, how do you live in this city? And try to, as I was walking with my daughter this morning, she was like, it's so hot. It's so hot. Ah. I'm like, that's right. It's really hot. And it's not going to stop being hot. You know, you were just complaining that it was, we were away in a place where it was cold. And now here you are and it's hot. So you can be thankful that it's this hot. And take a deep breath and maybe slow down and find a way to live in this heat because it's not going away. You know, I mean, but that's the city too, right? Sometimes we're walking around the city and it's just like, just beating you down. Like something you were hoping, you know, you just got that call, you didn't get that grant and you know, like, uh, rent time is coming, and, like, you're just like, okay, maybe if I do, you know, you're trying to figure out, well, maybe I can do some freelance stuff, or maybe I can pick up some extra shifts, or I haven't really done that before, maybe let me call those catering folks, or temp again, you know what I mean, like, and you can either be like, fuck, 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 shit, I have to call those catering folks, or see if I can get some, a temping position, or see, da-da-da-da-da, or you, you know what I mean, like, it's like, okay, the, the, it's the, the solutions are here. I feel, I feel crazy right now, but it's like, it is. I don't know. It's, a, it's, it's how do you shape a feeling in that present instead of like beating yourself up about not having the rent and having to do all these things. Just be like, wow, look, I can do all of these things so I can make the rent. Um, honey, I'm, you know, I, and, I, I, and I do feel like, yeah, the practice, the performance practice, the movement practice, the practice of discovering. I mean, because we, when we work with people, we're working with people. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Like, I don't give people, I don't give people choreographies. I also give them prompts, ask them questions and see how they can enter a particular, their world, how they can enter into their bodies differently. Maybe hopefully surprise themselves, surprise me. You know, I try to make a space for wonder along with my partner and my husband in rehearsal. Again, always making a space for people to be present now. It's like if I invite you into a rehearsal room with me, I'm like, I'm inviting you here because I'm curious about you. You have nothing to prove to me. You know, I, I have nothing hopefully to prove to you. We're just here in the space and let's just engage with these questions and see what happens. You know, you cannot disappoint me, you know, only if you run away from the engagement. I mean, you could even run away from the engagement, but do it in an interesting way. Be totally annoyed with what I'm asking, you know what I mean? But otherwise, because I, I don't know, I have a sense of, I often feel a sense of wonder about people. Because I also, I guess I kind of believe that I think everybody has something wondrous
Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others discover this show. You can also follow us on the socials at Lineage Podcast and visit lineagepodcast.com for information about live events, to see portraits I've made of our guests, and to become a patron of this broadcast. For more from me, head on over to shawneejamila.com. The inaugural season of Lineage is brought to you by the generosity of our campaign supporters, with special thanks to our founder circle. Amika Carter, Vera Grant, Loanda Hodges, Ayana Minor, Wendell and Helen O'Neill, Romani Rogers, Jimmy and Lee Sutton, Chantal Vera, Stacy Burton-White, and our associate producers, the BK Fam. Graphic design by Tony Moore Images. Original music composed by Cody Got Beats. Thank you.